if somebody was to call you, Tony, and have a very vulnerable conversation, it, it gives a connection. I think it builds, well, I know vulnerability builds trust and you buy things from people that you trust. And depending on what your salesperson is selling, you're really partnering with that person. So you want somebody who's transparent and vulnerable. Episode 41, how to connect with the C-suite with Tessa Setzer. She's the executive vice president of strategic partnerships at Nutrition Management Services Company. Tessa's going to drop at least six or seven fantastic gems. She really hits my funny bone. We have a great, just a fantastic, funny, uh, well-rounded kind of practical talk here about you know what salespeople can be doing to be more memorable and really connect with the C-suite. It doesn't really matter uh, if you're in sales or marketing or finance, anything that requires you to connect with and work with the C-suite, this is an episode you want to listen to. Hey, guys, these episodes are really starting to blow up, and they're being shared all across social media. So if you're enjoying it, why don't you subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and you know, give it a rating so it gets a little more publicity, gets a little more influence, a little more reach. So these fantastic guests, their messages are spread far and wide. Well, I'm so glad you could join me today, Tessa Stetzer. This is um, it's a very important topic. You know how to connect with the C-suite, how to talk with the C-suite, and you know how to get in front of these decision makers. And I thought, you know, who best to talk to than someone who she is herself in that position, but, you know, runs an organization and a team who is also trying to connect with C-level people. So um, it just what's the general advice, you know, that you give to, to salespeople or to a team uh, when they set out to, you know, connect with and, and do new business? Um, sure. Uh, I have a, a small team within my organization that I that I speak to regularly because they are actively trying to, to reach um, prospective clients, the C-suite, CEOs, COOs, CFOs um, of, of fairly large organizations. And the thing about reaching somebody at that level is their time is incredibly valuable. Um, it is in the, in the opening moments of a conversation, it has to be meaningful and provide value. Um, I just on my team have a, a new sales associate who's, who's never, um, been in business development whatsoever. She's transitioned from kind of like a human resource background, wanted to try sales. And I said, yes, absolutely. Let's do this. Her fear is, um, just doing it. So I think that is in sales, it's, um, to get to the C-suite, you have to lose that kind of intimidation of the title. Um, you have a product, you have a service, you know what its value is and what the benefit for that end user is going to be. You work in your organization because you believe in that product and in that service. And when you really embody that, I think it makes that, um, 
initial intro, when you pick up that phone uh, to call that person or get through to that gatekeeper, you believe in the product and that um, it therefore translates. You've got a great product, great service. You better understand it. You know, that is the, the rock, the foundation that you can stand on is that understanding. You're not coming to them with a, with a lack of understanding. Exactly. In understanding that a no is really just a maybe. Um, I encourage sales uh, people at all levels to get to a no. Um, because once you get no, I, I, I'm happy. No, I'm satisfied with my current processes. No, I don't have time. No, I don't have the money. At least at that point, you have a tangible objection to overcome. So they've said no to something. They've said no to something, and then you have something to build on. So no, we, we can't afford it. You know how your, your product or service affects them financially, and then you can overcome that objection. You can overcome the objection of, oh, I don't have time to review this right now, especially right now. People's time is so spread out, and we're all juggling um, we're all living, you know, in front of our computers 24 seven. There's no separation really between work and home life. Um, yeah, it's, it's overcoming those and having the authenticity, um, is another point, um, with this new sales associate, she, she asked for a script. And of course I have a script and, uh, you know, these are the ways that you introduce the product and introduce the service and the, you know, the four or five benefits that we have. But don't use that as a script that you memorize and want to pair it into um, somebody. You know, when you get somebody on the phone, really take the time to research, one, the person that you're calling in their organization. There is a plethora of information out there on the internet. Um, I don't think there's a person around now that you can't find uh, at least some uh level of detail. So, um, I specifically work within healthcare, um, before I call anybody or would have any of my associates call it's okay. Go out, go to their website. See, are they building a new property? Are they doing any acquisitions? When is the last time they had something? Um, it shows that person on the C-suite, Hey, I gave time and due diligence to make this call meaningful. That's really how you gain credibility. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I mean that, that, that to me shows uh, that you're a, very, you're a credible vendor because you've taken the time to understand how you can provide ROI. You know a little bit about their business. You're not coming to them with a kind of a half-baked idea. I get a lot of calls. I get a lot of emails from people that don't even understand my business. I'm thinking, <laughs> you just, you're, what are you doing? Exactly. We all get the, your car's extended warranty is about to expire. Now, if they called and they said, uh, hi, Tessa, your Jeep's extended warranty is about to expire. I'd go, oh, okay. Maybe, maybe I should call them back. <laughs> yeah. Because maybe they actually know something, you know, legit. Exactly. Exactly. I think in sales, we think we have a lot of competition where there's a lot of other sales people that, or just, you know, trying to get the attention of the C-suite. So what could someone do say to maybe be different to stand out? Um, I don't know why it just popped into my head, but it was the 80, 20 rule. 
um, when you said there are a lot of salespeople, and maybe I'm not understanding your question uh, correctly, but if you have a hundred sales associates, twenty percent of them are, are going to drive eighty percent of the volume, right? That's just a seems to be a mathematical law that's been proven time and time again. Um, how do those sales folks that drive eighty percent of the revenue stand out? Um, you know, you have to be different, right? When you're trying to get the attention of the person in the C-suite. And I was curious if there were certain ideas or, or thoughts around being different. Yeah, I think there's a lot of attributes, um, to being different. Um, and, and they're just that, uh, maybe a lot of them are personality driven, you know, tenacity, authenticity, um, you know, the, the thick skin to hear no. Um, but mostly it's just perseverance. Um, sales is a numbers game and it takes, uh, not everybody, uh, unless you're selling just a product that falls, you know, from the heavens. Um, it, it takes drive and it takes determination to, to get to that person. Now getting to the C-suite is, first and foremost, getting through the gatekeeper. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you said that because the people who are listening are like, gosh, you make it just sound so easy. Just, you know, just talk to, just talk to them. Well, <laughs> once you get to them, um, and gatekeepers are trained to do just that. I can't imagine how many calls a CFO for a large hospital chain is getting per day. How many emails that person gets sent um, for products and services. Um, but if you can get, may have a meaningful conversation with and gather information from the gatekeeper. I mean, use that person as a resource in your own, um, sales effort to ask questions. That person, um, is used to just trying to be hurdled and not utilized, but that person can offer an, a tremendous amount of resources on what that pain might be and what that CFO is trying to, um, his objectives or her objectives within the organization. I think you just touched on something there. Uh, rather than trying to hurdle them, use them uh, for, yeah. for information. And to your point, they're so closely tied to the person that they're supporting, they probably have a pretty good idea of what, what some of the pain points are. Absolutely. And frankly, Absolutely. that's one of the ways you're probably different because you've actually shown maybe a, a genuine uh, side of yourself to the assistant and, you know, you're not just some pushy salesperson who they have to bring out the fly swatter. <laughs> and remember swap that executive next. assistant. <laughs> <Swap> yeah. next. <laughs> the executive assistant controls the calendar. See, little gem right there, little gem. Because you jump over that person and then you have to go back and schedule the meeting with them. It's like, oh, yeah, that was me, the jerk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I mean, to that point, if you are searching to get an email address or something, just ask for the gatekeepers. Say, would you funnel this? Do you think it's applicable? Can I make my initial contact with you and you can give me feedback um, and start building and, and growing? Yeah. I mean, sometimes I just ask them, you know, point blank about if I have something I'm trying to do, I'll just ask. And sometimes they'll, they'll literally direct me to the right person. And I can save myself a lot of time too. 
Absolutely. Um, you had also mentioned that, you know, it was important to stay on top of trends, you know, and kind of capitalize on this information. So how do you take the information that's happening and kind of fit it into your, to your sales strategy? Cause there's a lot of information out there. How do you find the, the information that's going to be the most valuable or make the most impact? Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, keeping on top of trends and having, uh, some innate intuition onto where your marketplace or industry might be headed. Um, crucially important. We are in healthcare right now, uh, more specifically senior living, which we all know in the last 11 months has changed uh, quite drastically. You're on the forefront. I mean, let, let's just be honest. You're being very um, coy about it. I mean, you guys are, uh, you're dealing with a lot of changes right now. D tremendous amount our clients the people that we that that we work um, hand in hand with are tremendously changed their landscape has changed um and we had to look my organization uh, my sales efforts had to really um stand in front of the mirror and say, okay, this is no longer about selling the glitz and glam and, you know, the bells and whistles of a program. And, and we sell the program. It's a service. Um, we had to, uh, had to look and say, okay, now where are they pained? They're, they're, they probably don't really care much about exhibition cooking at this point and having a chef with a blue cat throwing, <laughs> throwing you know, shrimp like, into his, uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right now they're caring about safety, sanitation, compliance. They're focused on weight loss, all of these really clinically driven health factors that when we were selling this service two years ago, we, we, we talked about it, but it was just an assumed point. Um, so yes, you have to stay uh, abreast of the trends and in, in the pandemic, obviously n nobody can glare over this one, uh, the importance of it. Um, but in a normal sales landscape, it would be being able to identify what what maybe small trends are happening and kind of the underbelly of the industry, um, whether it's new form of technology, um, and then looking at your own program service, uh, brand and how can you modify that and put that face forward? Unfortunately, you know, selling through fear or fear of loss is becoming more prevalent. As you said, you know, safety, compliance, health, that's, um, that's more of a, of a reality now because that this is what they're faced with. This is their pain point now. And uh, that requires a, a little different type of sales strategy, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And for, for your listeners that are trying to get into sales or hone in their skills, um, one of the very first fundamentals of sales that was ever told to me. And I was with an organization where they would have these like motivational speakers come in and give us all these sales tools and jazz us up. Um, anyway, they had one come in and this is, this is not new, um, but really expounded on the people buy for, for two reasons. Um, 
I mean, the, the, the reason you go get a coffee mug or, you know, get a new pair of glasses, um, you can name it as, oh, I got the glasses because they, I, you know, I, I need them to see my computer screen, got the coffee cup because I need to drink coffee. Every, every decision, buying decision that anybody makes, whether it's professional or personal, comes down to two motivating factors um, as umbrellas. Um, hope for gain. Um, you want that service or product to improve yours or your loved one's well-being, or you buy that service or product um, because you fear you're going to lose if you do not acquire that thing. So hope for gain and fear, fear of loss are two main motivating factors. And it is, it's very apparent right now in our time and in, you know, in this landscape that the fear of loss is huge. Um, people are fearing for their businesses. Um, it's a, it's a really crazy time. So knowing that as a salesperson, that that is the motivating factor right now in making a change, uh, product or service and saying, okay, how do I, uh, decimate that fear for that C-suite. You know, what is that CEO really thinking when, she, when he or she is looking at her business? Um, and how can, how can I soothe that fear? Yeah, I know there's a, a huge fear of just, you know, being sued because someone has not been compliant. So if you have something that you can alleviate the compliance issue or the, in your case, safety or in health, you've alleviated a big problem. And now maybe they can hope for gain, right? That they can return. So maybe it's even kind of a dual purpose, but it sounds like, you know, you, you kind of enter through the front door, uh, you know, handling this, uh, fear, not being naive that that's, uh, kind of front and center, you know, on their mind or on their heart. Yeah, it would be, um, actually a fun exercise for, for your listeners, if they're just getting into it to actually sit down and contemplate that idea and everything that they buy, you know, just write down fear of loss, hope for gain and think of every single thing that they own in which umbrella it goes under. It's kind of eye opening, um, even as a consumer, even not as a sales professional. I, yeah, I guess if you go through it like that, why that's kind of, uh, it's deep. <laughs> okay, stay tuned for part, stay tuned for part two when um, <laughs> Tessa breaks down her life purchases. <laughs> so the so the yacht. See, people don't know this about you. Uh, this, you know, the captain of a uh, of a yacht. Uh, that's got to be hope for gain on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for my, for my, uh, yeah, I made that career switch from software and living in Minneapolis to getting my captain's license and my yacht, like, you know, going and working uh, for hope, for gain, uh, gaining life experiences and seeing the world and getting a nice tan and oh, all of the adventure uh, that goes with stuck it. Stuck in snow. I knew I shouldn't <laughs> got you off subject. Exactly, exactly. I mean, this last weekend under the sun, it was quite tempting just to stick with, um, I took a Hobie cat out from the resort, uh, cause those were the, that was the kind of yachting that I did was sailing. And man, I was just tempted to, to keep on going. I got just back not to come the back. Exactly. <laughs> I'll find the provisions I need on the next island. 
Well, we were ch- um, we were chatting about the uh, a book that we both had read, uh, "A Voyage for Mad Men." It's the uh, it was the you know race around you know circumnavigating around the around the world. Uh, you might uh, be tempted. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, what were the motivating factors for those men to Boy, that venture would be a good off into the unknown for thirty days? Yeah, definitely some for hope for gain. Definitely the you know the notoriety, but you've got to be a little bit crazy to do that. My boat that I bought when I first started, um, when I got my captain's license, a forty footer, which was huge in my mind's eye at the time um, until you start really seeing how big boats can get. But I did have these grand visions of circumnavigating. I think it was my first trip from the west coast of Florida um, to Key West. And in that short period of time, I decided I was never going to circumnavigate. (laughs) I mean, I got to just say, I mean, you are extremely courageous and obviously massively independent. I just, you know, mad respect that you, that you could do that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, my parents probably thought that I'd need my head, head examined at a few points, but <laughs> it was a good adventure. But you know, it's, I know that's kind of, it seems like a, an odd way, you know, a little, I kind of circumnavigated into this conversation, but really it does talk about an, an attitude though. Right. And you know, how to get to that C-suite, you do kind of have to be this strong, independent, you know, confident person. And that kind of showed up for you in some of these other extracurricular activities you were doing. You have to explain this one to me. You said um, empathy was important. I, I kind of, maybe I know what you mean, but maybe you could explain that a little better. Well, going back to the, the vulnerability and the authenticity speaking to somebody and trying to solve their problems with your product and service, um, they can see through authenticity or not. And you have to be extremely vulnerable to their situation and how you can service that. But, um, it's the, it's the balance between, and don't get me wrong, like sales, it's a combination. You have to be vulnerable, be empathetic. And you also have to have the tenacity to keep driving forward and keep presenting and keep having somebody say, no, 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 we don't need you. No, we don't need that. Um, and pick up the phone and call them again in six months and see if they've changed their mind. Um, but explain the vulnerability. Cause I've had that comment made to me that like I was going through some uh, personal coaching, but what does that mean though? Like in a sales context, you know, maybe these people don't know you. Yeah. When you were going through your coaching, did they explain to you the, 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 you know, the yin and the yang, the power that goes with vulnerability? They're directly correlated with each other. Can you explain that? Um, Man, I didn't prep for it. Um, I, oh, I no, totally, that this is where the gems come from when you are put in the hot seat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if somebody was to call you, Tony, and have a very vulnerable conversation, it, it gives a connection. I think it builds. Well, I know vulnerability builds trust, and you buy things from people that you trust, and depending on 
what your salesperson is selling, you're really partnering with that person. So you want somebody who is transparent and vulnerable and that you can put your, your power within, right? Like the power to alleviate that piece of your business to that salesperson to improve it, give them the power from that vulnerable spot in your, in your business structure. It's just an interesting way to, to look at it. Cause I've never thought of, of that as a, you know, a component of the, the sales process, but I guess it does just leads to you being genuine and authentic. Uh, not, not desperate, <laughs> not vulnerable slash desperate. No, no, completely opposite. Vulnerable and powerful. I think I'm going to have to have, we're going to see, we've got part three now. <laughs> part two is you walk through every uh, personal uh, purchase <laughs> and then we're going to have the vulnerability is power hour with, no. Oh, I like it. I like it. We can have guests. Um, uh, yes. Guest yeah. You can be a guest host <laughs> and you can lead, lead the session. I want to, I want to hear your life coach talk about that. Oh, listen, maybe I'll have, um, she is, I'll, I'll give her a shout out right now. In fact, we're, we're going to have an episode here at some point. We've already talked about it, but her name is, uh, Precious Mansapelli. I met her when I was at, uh, Cox Enterprises and she's, you know, a Fortune 500 marketing executive who has decided that, uh, her calling is to be a purpose coach. And okay. she typically works with, uh, with women, in fact. And she said, you know, I've never coached, uh, coached men before. And she said, you know, will you be my guinea pig? <laughs> I thought, oh God, what have I got myself into? <laughs> you know, sessions later, I'm on the floor crying, you know, I'm so vulnerable now. But now you're so powerful, I'm no, sure. I, oh, I'm, I'm, I, I bounce back. Exactly. Exactly. It, honestly, uh, it it really um it does open up, you know, it really does open you up to be more just I we keep saying that word authentic and I think through that you can be empathetic to the person that you're calling, that you're talking to, that they just feel it perhaps, you know, uh from from within maybe. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, be authentic and be tenacious and all of those other, you know, a little bit of everything. When it comes to um, face-to-face meetings with uh, with with the C-suite, are, are you finding that those calls are uh, near impossible? Are you just doing those now through Zoom or, or GoToMeeting? What, what's the strategy? What's What seems to be working? Sure. In my industry, we used to always meet face-to-face on the client's uh, property or facility. Those meetings have changed um, quite drastically, though yesterday I was up in New York and um, on a sales call with another one of my associates in the community, in two different communities. So they are still happening. Um, I imagine uh, quite a few, the majority of industries are face, are, you know, video conferencing. Yeah, that's what's happening for us too. We're doing a lot of um, a, a lot of Zoom calls, and you know, frankly, I think it's good because the more Zoom calls you do, the, the more you know, go to meetings that you know that you set up like this. It kind of breaks down that um, barrier that you used to have on the phone, and I find that that is one of those 
uh, benefits of this really that I just try to schedule Zoom calls now with everybody, even if it's just like a call. Well, Tony, you sent me this link 36 minutes ago. We launched it and I was like, what? We're just recording video? I was so shocked that it wasn't going to, to, to have um, a video. Video. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's because um, no one wants to look it's at my face in 36 minutes. <laughs> That's <laughs> I, that. <laughs> no one would sign up for my podcast. Oh, it's a video podcast. No, thank you, Tony. <laughs> you were prepped. I told you this was got no video. I'm very, I'm very happy. Yes, believe me. <laughs> well, I think you know. Over, I think in in totality, I think the the real message that I'm getting here is just being authentic and being well-prepared, well-researched, and being genuine is really the, the only way that you're going to make a connection with the C-suite. And again, there is no silver bullet. Exactly. There is no script. Well, I thought, well, I thought the script was to be vulnerable. <laughs> there are, Hello, there are so-and-so. I'm vulnerable. Will you please buy from me? <laughs> I think you have to make your own script. <laughs> know what your benefits are, know how you solve problems, um, and then go out there in every single call, um, whether it's phone or whether it's email, craft it to that specific person. And yeah, take the 15 minutes to research the company. Um, we all, I mean, sales associates have quotas and everything is metrics, you know, make 50 calls a day or whatever it might be. Um, push back and say, you know what, I am going to, uh, can I make 25 calls a day? And this is the research that I'm going to put into, you know, I'll track everything in the CRM um, and track your success rate and see how 50 calls of just scripted boom, boom, boom um, end with results or how 25 well thought out crafted cold calls uh, return. That, that's great. I think we've got a lot of information here and you've got everyone looking forward to part two and part three. Who knows when they'll be <laughs> recorded. Maybe, you know what, maybe we'll do a live one from your yacht. How about that? Anytime, Tony. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, listen, um, thank you so much for being here. And uh, I guess you kind of got my funny bone today, but I guess that's just me being vulnerable and you being genuine. <laughs> Perfect. See how that works. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Tony. Be well. <laughs>